Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Oh, that was excellent. Okay. All right. I had no idea we were. I didn't just... know we were going to be getting that help. Magical, unrequested intro music. Right. We got a little jingle. <laughs> all right. We so welcome. jingle that we Hopefully, don't have to pay for. Right? Nope. It's free. It's all free. Live on TalkShoe.com. Thanks, TalkShoe, for the jingle and the, uh, the intro. Yeah, this is this is uh, your fir- very first episode of the Hills Bros Live on TalkShoe. My name is Warren Hillsboss. I'm your de facto uh, host slash MC, but I'm here with the real. If, you know, if I'm the engine, then he's the. Or if I'm, excuse me, if I'm the driver, then he's the engine. Uh, this thing is uh, my brother, Lucas Bilsbaugh. Um Yeah, I don't know about that metaphor, but uh, <laughs> we'll work with it for now. I'm saying, you know, I mean, I've, I've, um, my main experience coming into this that makes me think I have any ability to do this kind of thing whatsoever is that, you know, I've run some live shows before with a live audience involving so-so content, right, <laughs> in terms of real entertainment value um and it's been successful i i've I've done that kind of thing well um but in terms of like actually knowing what people want to hear or you know things like that i'm not claiming to be any master i feel like you are a little more the expert on the world of podcasts and what goes into a good one i was gonna say you know in this realm i i would call myself uh bs qualified uh, which, you know, I think that that phrase. I don't. I don't know that that's a phrase that's out there yet. Let's get it going. I think it's yeah. Hashtag BS qualified. I think it's pretty salient uh, in our world today. I won't make references to anything specific because I think the listeners know what I'm talking about, and uh, we're gonna try and uh, talk about things other than. Uh, the election, <laughs> which gives you some clues to what I was talking about there, if you didn't already understand. Um, so we're still getting set up here a little bit, um, still figuring out the technical side of things. To quote uh, a really famous broadcaster, to the extent possible, beat it, we're doing it live. Right? <laughs> we, are, we are running with this thing, we have the ball. Uh, we're still not sure entirely what to do with it. Um, yeah. So anyway, let's let's do some introductions since this is definitely our first show, and people should get to know us a little more. Uh, what I was thinking is, you know, a lot of times when you go to like boring work meetings and stuff like that, um, you know, they ask you to give your name, rank, and serial number, pretty much. You know, some useless information. I think let's go with some real information. Um, yeah. And a yeah, little if, more. If you were going to throw, you know, name where you're from and favorite ice cream at me, I was, I'm going to stab you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, 
Right. That's not but, uh, because... Are you like my caller and you didn't tell me? Well, let's just say... <laughs> let's just say that my ice cream preferences are deeply personal. Okay. <laughs> That's a trigger for me. That's, you know, I'm going to let the audience know that as well. But more really, uh, more... More honestly, more openly, you're not a fan of most traditional icebreakers, or even the idea of an icebreaker. Yeah, oddly, they they make me a bit anxious, uh, and I'm not sure why. Uh, but I I generally prefer when I'm around a lot of people that I don't know to be given some opportunity to kind of just mill around and uh, casually chat with people and kind of BS. And that's how that's how I can most comfortably get to know people. And I think that's sort of how we're going to uh, have you guys get to know us. There's a lot of... Uh, yeah, most of this is... Most of what makes us us is just going to come out in the conversation, for sure. That's part of the idea. But... Um, uh, I you know I still think it's good to give people some warning <laughs> at yeah. least of what they're getting into. Yeah. So I mean, so what what are let's go? I mean, what do you think is a fair number? Three things, five things. I I was thinking five, but that might be too much. Uh, that like people really should know. Like we were talking before we before we started. Um, you know the difference the the way someone who doesn't know us know one of us might react to us in a given situation versus how people who do yeah. might react. You know, we we can be we have pretty strong personalities and opinions. Right. I for one at least have been accused of being a dick or uh <laughs> other words I probably shouldn't say. Uh we did list this as for all audiences. So um which that that's probably somewhat fluid. Yeah that that might be different for that's future our, episodes. Yeah that's but, our starting place. Um, point is, I don't sugarcoat my opinions, and I'm often pretty critical. So, you know that that if the number one thing I I want I would want someone I was talking to to know is that I would say that I like you because you just say what you think. You're not worried about offending people. Oh, <laughs> right. Uh, but actually, but the, and oh, at boy. the same time. Uh, the second thing I would want to say is that I really don't – I see no reason to feel divided uh, from other people, even people who I might need to have a physical altercation with over something. <laughs> I'd still rather get along and all that. So, you know, a lot of people mistake my criticisms as um, – you know, maybe it's something they've done, something they've said, and I criticize the way or what they did, and just uh, they take it as you know, I'm te- I'm telling them that they're just a bad person and just stop living. That that is that is the tone of the reaction I get sometimes, um, and it's not that at all. It's that I believe you know I believe that part of to be clear, you're not like kill yourself, just just stop living. It, <laughs> well, no, my I point think, is I think the, stop I, living is a funny thing. That is the exact opposite of what I want people to live a more fulfilling life. And I really think that I live a pretty fulfilling life in my way. 
And part of that is that I'm thoughtful. I examine and consider really as much as I can about what's going on in my life and the life and world, the world around me, right? And that has given that has given me a lot. That has uh, allowed me to find and take advantage of opportunities a lot of people don't get. You know, I've you know we've both been blessed with uh, what we've had, what we've grown up with, but we've also created a lot of what we've done for ourselves and a lot we of that was that, right no <laughs> with help with yeah. help but we have done yeah. we have Hashtag done privilege we are certainly oh yeah a couple of highly privileged individuals uh we'll try to keep that in perspective but again to the listeners call us out check us right. on that right we uh, we want to be held accountable on certain things that's how we can because we're we're going to try to give you a pretty pure distillation of, of our voice, our perspective. Uh, we think we have some pretty interesting things to say. We we come from a place that it is a little bit interesting and, and is a little bit different. Um, when you think about where we grew up here in West Virginia um, and how we grew up, how we were raised, uh, we're, we're sort of first-generation Appalachians. Yeah, I've used that phrase. We, we have parents that are, are from the Baltimore metro area who are very educated, came here, came to Morgantown, uh, both pursuing um, graduate studies. And, and so there are certainly other young men with a similar experience out there, but uh, to, to a certain extent, it is a unique one, uh, and we enjoy talking about it, and we enjoy engaging with other people that have different experiences um, and, and using that as, as a way to kind of figure things out a little more for ourselves. Uh, and, and just kind of understand the the place that we're at, right? Because I mean, like we were we were both born here in West Virginia, correct? But the first generation in our family to be born here. I don't know about your friends, but I know asking, you know, learning about my friends and their families. Um, I it, it it would appear that the average length of like most of, most all of my friends have about like five generations here. Yeah, you know. And that's just that's kind of mind-boggling to me. <laughs> like that's going almost back to the beginning. Yeah, and of, of white people's history, not all history. Sure, <laughs> the white history. Sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, it definitely more and more looms large in, in my thinking uh, of my surroundings. Um, that there is is a sort of a a generational divide that way, um, just sort of dependent on how long families have been in the place that they're at, um, which I think is fascinating. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with this, but I, I think to the extent that problems do arise from that phenomenon, like most things, our main prescription. I think, if Warren agrees here, is to talk about it more. Let's talk about it more. 
And that's right. that's what we're doing. Um, left today uh, because we were unable to get our guests involved that we had planned. Right. Uh, but we still may get them in a little later. Um, we don't want to rule that out. But uh, we meant to have guests today. Hopefully we have guests in the future. Definitely. Uh, and we want we want to have a real diversity um, in every sense of the word with the guests that we bring in. That's another area where we're very open to suggestions and ideas from listeners. So keep that in mind. Um, but I think what I want to do right now is we, we've we've talked a little bit about where we come from. Uh huh. Um, well, I still feel like we haven't actually we haven't talked about this thing yet, each individually. Really? So yeah. yeah, if you had three or like three or four things, whatever you really thought had to be okay put out there first. Right. What What should we know about you? We'll call it three. Okay. We'll stick to. Is that a prime number? That is a prime number. Okay. Maybe that'll be a thing with the prime numbers. I love prime numbers. Not, not sure how, but I'm kind of into them. Um. Yeah. So three things about me that I would want the listeners to know. Um, right off the bat. Uh, right now, uh, I'm working as a, a cook. I work in the service industry. Um, I'm probably going to have a lot to say about that. I I somewhat like to keep work at work, but there, I'm kind of in this new phase. I haven't been doing it very long. Uh, and there's a lot about it that just interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You, there's uh, still a lot of fresh observations. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think there are things about the service industry that the general public uh, doesn't know. And there's some things that I think they would want to know. There are other things that I don't really give a shit. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Ding. Right. Might need a swear jar. Yeah, yeah. swear jar. Hopefully the FCC does never find it. Right. Uh, but, you know, so there's some things that people may want to hear about that and other things that I think people need to hear about that. So that's something that I'll, I'll often relate things to and call back to. Um, what else? As far as things that I like to do, um, I'm a pretty active person. I'm pretty excited about winter coming right now. It's an exciting time of year for me. Uh, Going to be digging out the skis soon. Skiing is probably the single thing that gives me the most uh, joy in this world. Um, so this, this is a fun time for me, even though I'm having trouble figuring out how I'm going to afford to indulge in it this season. Uh, Another opportunity for tips. If you guys have any good life hacks, ways to uh, coach the ski hill, if any skier listeners are out there, I'm always looking for ways to uh, screw over the corporate overlords of my my most beloved hobby. So, cooking, skiing, two things. Uh, another thing that I'm really passionate about that very much ties into my professional work as a cook is an interest in agriculture. 
an interest in the social justice aspects in particular of, uh, of food and agriculture, food politics. I pretty recently worked as an apprentice on an organic vegetable farm, which was a, a very rewarding but trying experience in a lot of ways. Uh, that's something that I'll probably be talking about quite a bit. And shortly after that, I made a little bit of a run at getting my own small organic vegetable growing operation off the ground. I found that to be extraordinarily difficult and stressful and basically abandoned the project. Um, but I still, I still have a pretty keen interest in growing food is, is the way I often like to put it very broadly. Um, I can't call myself a farmer right now. I'm not growing much, but it's something that I still have a pretty keen interest in, and I'm always looking for ways to get myself back involved in, in, those, in those things. Uh, so that's, those are the three things right now that I would want people, I would most want people to know. And I'll go ahead and... Uh... Was that three? I, I wasn't counting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was three. Um, cooking, working in kitchens, cooking, and uh, growing food, food politics. Okay. Justice. Thank you for and more broadly. clarifying that. I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Yeah, one, two, three, not necessarily in that order. I don't want to rank them or upset them. But uh, I'll go ahead and talk back to you, sir. Okay. Any three. Right. So my three uh, my three would have to be probably in this order, and I'm trying to put them in ways that most simply and clearly make the point, is that uh, I recently graduated uh, from West Virginia University's College of Law. Uh, with my JD, um, and I'm studying for the bar exam. So um, I can I can call myself uh, an attorney, although I'm not yet a working attorney. Um, Got to pass that bar first. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, I could work supervised if I wanted to, but I want to focus on studying. But the point is, yes, I I am quite educated. I also have a bachelor's degree in philosophy from West Virginia University. Um, but I, and I also studied, that was after studying two years of engineering at West Virginia University. So um, I, like, I like to know what I'm talking about. I try, but I also, you know, am not, you know, a nervous wreck about it either. So if you ever catch me, like, maybe taking a liberty with a fact or something like that, that's okay. I'd rather be right um, than perfect, if that makes sense, you know? I call me out. Right. You can challenge me. You won't hurt my feelings. It's, you, you will get my. You will earn my gratitude if you correct me accurately. Right. So and when we are corrected, we're going to do our best to uh, sort of put ourselves on blast. And uh, you know, we're not we're not a newspaper. We're not claiming to be journalists. 
but in the journalistic tradition of putting corrections, omissions, whatever else out there that we get from you guys via feedback, um, we do want that to be out there, and we're not going to just sit on it. Uh, right. You know, if if you correct us on something on Saturday and we check into it and we agree that you're right, you're going to hear about it and you're going to get a thank you the next episode. I think that's something we want to um, promise to our listeners because I feel that's very important and I think you agree. Right. We would, we would rather be our worst critics. Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah. By all means, criticize if it's warranted, but we're going to do our best to be out ahead of everybody if we can. Yeah. Um, this is a slow build. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sure as hell hope we're going to get better at this over time. Yeah. Uh, that's the goal. Um, but for right now, we're we're shooting from the hip. We're trying it. We're, we're, we're gonna, doing the thing. We're doing, we're doing it. We're doing the thing. And uh, in my life, uh, there have been a lot of things where, you know, that, that phrase paralysis of analysis uh, comes to mind. And it, it even happened with this podcast. This is sort of a long time coming. Right. This we, is kind of our second or third attempt at a first yeah, episode. Yeah, it's, it's kind of come in fits and starts. Uh, and let it be instructive to you guys that sometimes, sometimes just do the thing. Right. Just start. Uh, you know, you can research something online for years. Right. And, and think you are going to be able to really hit the ground running. And the minute you go to do the thing, you're going to realize, oh, maybe doing the thing was the best way to learn. Right. We've already learned, I've already learned a half dozen things in the last, uh, you know, half hour that I could not have learned without doing it. I mean, maybe we could have done, made some choices, <laughs> done some things better. Certain, certain things could have been planned. Like right now, practice. right now I'm wondering, should I have been more specific about what time zone I'm in? <laughs> because the Eastern Standard is what we would call it here, right? Right, right. No, we are not mountain time. Right. <laughs> we are so, in the mountains. So Other mountains. What up, Maine? What up, Quebec? I think we would be in our time zone. Yeah, I think. Um, let's see. I can Columbia. never tell. Columbia speaking French. Well, I don't know if Columbia is. Maybe parts of Columbia. I'm trying to. My. Uh, Remember what we said. Let's, maybe we should come back with that next week, actually having looked it up. Who exactly is in our time zone? Yeah. yeah right. Let's, let's leave that one alone. Right. But anyway, because I still haven't gotten to my second point. Right. Uh, just so fine. Point number two. The other. Right. right. Now i got to remember what I was going to say. Oh, right. Is, while I'm, you know, so I've already probably made it clear that I'm pretty intellectual. I think about things a lot. I am prone to paralysis of analysis. Um, but despite that, I still also um, can, I'm kind of a person of action. The more I can be doing something as opposed to just thinking about it, the more into it I'm going to be. And it, it makes us, it's fulfilling and satisfying. Right. I didn't, like, I didn't get into law originally. Like, I didn't decide to go to law school because I like 
going, you know, ruffling through papers and writing 25 pages a week, you know, like, you know, not, it wasn't the stuff on paper that brought me to the law. It was how real and consequential legal practice is and how even when you're doing the relatively um, inactive things, there's still a lot of action to find in real practice. You know, even even when you're, you know, writing contracts, um, filling out government forms, making sure your clients are getting, are paying fees, are paying uh, expenses on time to the government, things like that, keeping people out of trouble. Uh, you know, there's a surprising amount of go and do, do you, you know. Think, do you think you may ever from the hip here. Yeah. I think you may ever, may ever find it necessary to, you know, create a narrative in your mind, play up the drama of a particular case or thing you're working on, maybe read some John Grisham snippets, try to slide them in there. Because I know I, I do that sometimes. And, and do what? Like try to jazz up my own work yeah. to keep me into it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I actually yeah. have. You mentioned ruffling through papers. I don't know. Say ruffling. I did. Ruffling, right. ruffling. Is there a word? Hashtag ruffling. That's the word. What? Um, it's it's a Twitter word. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Twitter word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's fun to do sometimes. Right. Is to kind of play up the drama. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely yeah I'm I can be a theatrical very theatrical person. Number one, number one description. Like seriously, number one description. This is in college, right? Among good friends I had known for a long time, and they knew me at my most intellectual. Right? I met these people at a, a thing called Governor's Honors Academy here in West Virginia oh, that we have. Gee. Right, the pretentious of the pretentious. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it was a great experience, but yeah, it's weird. It, there is something weird about being told that no. We only chose 165 people, thousands applied. Yeah, you made it. I'm pretty sure I was number 164. You're looking at two sides of the cutoff line. <laughs> Little bro didn't make it. I don't remember whether you applied. I don't think we talked about it. I believe I did. But the fact that I don't remember says a lot right there. Because but I all the people who went who made it into that were people who took the, every Tiny, the, all the tiniest details. Mm-hmm. Actually, there have been times in law school where I was like, no, I need to treat this like I treated my Governor's Honors Academy application. Yeah. I need to be that thorough. You know, first time I ever bothered to type an application. Right. Right. And, I mean, there was competition for references. I got Ooh, lucky yeah. and happened to, almost by accident, choose the two best teachers of mine to, for my recommendations. I think it turns out they had great stories about me I didn't even know or they had, didn't even consider. It'd be funny if they weren't really stories that reflected well on you, but they were just such cool stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. They're like, uh, he okay. stole food from a homeless guy, but he saved all the cats. Yeah. Like, what? what is that? It <laughs> doesn't seem very unrelated. Exactly. <laughs> a great teaser, though. Right, right. I'm better at teasers than I am at actual stories. Right. <laughs> you realize somebody's really interested in your like, oh, I have to build something out. Right, right. Oh, now yeah, I can I actually think, come I up with the time that I applied was sort of at the height of my high school malaise. Right. See, this is this is what got me. That 
that was actually what got me out of my high school away. It was kind of I. I would fill out college applications, and sometimes we would we would do them in class. I wasn't going to do it on my own. Right. Yeah, I, I want to be on the clock. <laughs> right. It's good pay. And we we always did those kinds of applications and stuff in English class. And I was the only one in class that had been raising my hand every two minutes or so, asking if I had to answer this or that question. Can I leave this one blank? Um. <laughs> Because I've got, you know, I've got rubber bands to shoot uh, <laughs> at the cute girl in the front of the class. So, and you're hearing me right. This was high school. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think that's when I think um, that's when most people max out their um, their. Uh, Their lack of concern. I, I, I was trying. Apathy, other words were coming to mind that weren't as appropriate. Apathy, selfishness. Apathy. That's the one I was going for. Self-absorption. In other uh, words, normal teenagers. So. Well, yeah, a lot of there are a lot of angles to how awful a seventeen-year-old can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I cashed in on most of them. Right. You were actually trying to fill a bingo card. It's yeah. like sometimes Came where I was just, you know, for the first few years of high school, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. And then I decided that probably wasn't a good rule for life. I interested in social tendencies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You make this sound like, you know, like very official people, like from the right. FBI, like, hey, right. Mr. and Mrs. Hillsbots, oh, we regret to inform you that your son's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> no. But maybe, maybe the FBI should do that. <laughs> Maybe that should be part of their uh, purview. I mean, it's not like they're actually bothering to arrest any bankers or anything. Right. <laughs> so, really, FBI, we we have some we have some words for yes yeah, for um, um we do some consulting. So if you want to talk to us about rape, uh, and you know, we also do demolition. If you guys are just tired of doing any of doing whatever it is the FBI does. We'd probably happily just smash everything too. Yeah, and just get us <laughs> some of those cool jackets with the yellow lettering, and we'll follow you. Yeah, I think those are kind of dope. Those windbreakers. That well, I mean, what a timeless fashion piece. So Actually, like coach's jacket. Would it, would it be possible for me to get mine? Could I get one? Of, could I get one of the messed up like misprints? I want I want mine to have FBI upside down. Comfortable there. Yeah, I want my FBI to be upside down because I feel like that's more accurate orientation. Maybe that a gaze. <laughs> yeah, right. I should check. Ooh. Okay, we. Whenever people uh, do take the opportunity to to hear us out on this, we would love to get some feedback on this idea for a future show, uh, of actually going out and doing some uh, thrift shopping. And I love seeing seeing what seeing what crazy stuff we can find live. Of course, I'm one of the people that when Macklemore came out with thrift shop, to me. That was a call to arms. I was like, yes, we're all in on this. Thank God a white rapper feels the way I feel about knee boards and uh, heat blankets. Right. To to reference the song, (laughs) the smash hit from three, four years ago now. Oh, yeah, four. That was 2012. I remember that. See, I probably remember that year in music more clearly than any year. I can't. 
I can't for sure. That was the last time I noticed many, like, the, the hit song as they happened. But, yeah. um, anyway, so point over, like, thing number three about me, I think we uh, have to cover, is, um, hmm, see, this one's hard, you know, kind of like what's not already kind of in the mix with what I've already described. Not as that. Right, no, it isn't. There's not, but, you know, is okay, that's what it is, is I have a really weird, uh, you know, this kind of, this goes into both of the previous two, I think, but it's worth having in separate things. I have a weird relationship with Rip. Um, I really like a certain amount of risk in my life portfolio, if you will. Um, I like to jump from things. Um, you know, I like, again, I like action. But at the same time, I'm, I try to be very um, intentional and, um, and, and smart about how I go about those risks. That's part of the reason why I, will, I often go try to take risks that a lot of other people aren't even considering taking. Like podcasting, yeah. right? You know, it's, there's a certain social risk there. I could just find out that everyone in the world hates my gut. Right. They hate my voice, whatever. And it's, you know, it's unpaid work. Right. <laughs> Neither of us are in a position where to, total, to really afford. On paper, we don't look like a couple of people that should be taking on unpaid work. But we're also millennials. So who the hell knows what's a good idea and what isn't. I'm tired of the idea that good work has to be paid for. Right. Really. Why? I Why do that? Too, in the sense that you said that, and it made me feel nice. Okay, explain but that. If one. I unpack it further, I think it's problematic. Well, sure. Just, just in the pure juxtaposition of that and my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> That's a comparison I would try to make. A certain amount of in my life right now. Of, all right. Let's, yeah. Let's face up to financial realities. Uh, and I, I think that's a pretty relatable thing. And certainly to the listeners, we encourage you guys to uh, try to express those feelings uh, to us. There, there's um, a running series of articles that The Guardian has been doing for some time now that are they're, they're op-eds where people are just talking about their debt burdens in their life. Mm-hmm. and what it's like. Sometimes it's a story of them getting out of it, and other times it's just them saying, like, I have no idea what to do. Right, admitting... Uh, At the top of the story, every story says something small about the nature of the debt. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to. They often do. Right. Um, and that, that's something that I, I hope we get a chance to talk about, because I, I think when it's all said and done, that's that's part of our story. Um, it's something I know I'm going to be dealing with for a long time, and I'm going to be trying to find better ways to deal with it. Um, so I think we're uh, three up, three down, right? For each of us. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a little bit about who we are. Yeah, that was. Kind of people we are. That was kind of a, a pretty meandering 
discussion of... This is why we made the thing two hours. Yeah. It would take us at least a half hour just to introduce ourselves. And probably right around an hour and 50 minutes, we'll start to really actually be articulate and on point. Nope. Maybe not. <laughs> so I, I think we have a little wager going now. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you, uh, be- before we got started, you mentioned that you uh, had written something, kind of stream consciousness or something like that. Um, one of the, we have to make it the main topic for this week is, guess what happened last week? Um, depending on who you talk to, either America to the under a rock resident, that crowd. Right. You may not have heard, but there was Just a small in. election last week. Yeah. In an unknown corner of the world called America. Right. <laughs> it was uh it happened with very little fanfare. Uh it was really impressive with the total lack of reaction. Right. It I mean people, people mostly don't have much to say about it. I didn't know people were that capable of ignoring something. Yeah. Anything. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people, I've seen people who don't ignore their children that much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Let's, let's, let's just, I think we have to cut the sarcasm there. Cause yeah. At a certain point, we might start yeah. to confuse people. That, uh, but yeah, I don't even want to say it. It's, it's Do you want to say it's real it? Life. It's real life. I've been saying it. Do you want to say it? All right, I think we got a Rochambeau for who's going to actually hit, repeat the main head, the main point, the headline about the election. Because I don't even want to say it. Do you want to say it? Uh, President-elect Donald Trump is a character in the story of Which, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I react somewhat viscerally saying it out loud, but uh, many people have said, and I tend to agree, that we need to stay on Those of us that uh, those a lot of what he said and did in the campaign. Um, there's still plenty of high road. The high road has not been covered in a rock fall or avalanche. We can we can stay up there. We can treat this man with dignity and respect, um, as we would any other person. And I think that's. Uh, really enforced by what we saw when President Obama was elected. Uh, I think we saw a lot of people that didn't handle it in in the right way. They didn't take the L, so to speak, and move on. That's what I think we need to do. Mm -hmm. Those of us that have found ourselves not voting for the man and feeling pretty strongly about it. Um, Right, so... A lot, a lot there to be said. Was, I, mean, I don't know that I have anything new to say, but I, I think I owe it to myself to to say my piece. This uh, is what we do to make sure we don't set something on fire to make ourselves hurt. Yeah. So, so this is this is somewhat in, indulgent, uh, potentially, but it, it's something I want to do. So uh, after taking a bit of a, a media hiatus. Uh, I've spent a lot of time listening to the radio. Somewhat, um, it, you know, it's made somewhat obvious by what I'm doing right now that I, I really believe the radio 
including podcasts, is a much more vital and uh, prescient institution than television. So that's when I decided to kind of come out of my media slumber, that, that's where I went, is to the radio. Um, that, for me, is the first step in kind of unpacking what Donald Trump's election as president means. So in particular, uh, I've been listening to a lot of hip-hop radio. Uh, I'm a fan of hip-hop, so it's just something that I like to do. Um, I've been listening to those stations' morning shows. And in addition to being a fan of hip-hop, I, I kind of subscribe to it as a political methodology. So it's, it's a place that I go to um, to hear the hosts and people that call into those shows, I, I like to hear their takes on things. Uh, and oftentimes they're coming from a place pretty different from where I'm coming from. Uh, and I find that useful. Um, so I'm thinking about my place uh, in hip-hop as a fan and hip-hop's place in the mess that is the American political landscape. Um, I would like to humbly suggest that we all slow down and uh, just listen more. Um, kind of identify the people that you, you have the most negative feelings about and, and seek them out, try to engage them enough so that they'll speak, and then just listen. I think we all need to go into sponge mode right now. Um, and not only that, but the, to those who do speak, um, never speak to a narrow, narrow audience. Assume you're talking, you're, you're sitting in a bar, sitting in a coffee shop, strike up a conversation, the person next to you, it turns political. Assume the entire world hears you. Because we're not on the same page. I think that's something that that is potentially a jumping off point for a productive dialogue, which is what I want more than anything. I want a productive dialogue more than I want or wish that Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders was a president. For me, that that's something that I I dream and I fantasize about. A, a more productive discourse politically in this country. Um, intellectually, I, I think we're often trying to economize a little too much in these debates. And this, this leads to a, a lot of shortcuts. We're, we're discussing issues without nuance. A lot of us but do we discuss issues in this campaign? Well, that's certainly, that's certainly a question. But a lot of us that are reeling from the result on Tuesday are talking about all these voting flaws and all these things, who lost and who won the election. And in one of these radio shows that I was listening to, I, I was really finding my, I was, I was very much agreeing with the hosts and the guests and their their takes on things. But at one point, the guest, uh, the writer, Sean King, who I believe writes for uh, New York Post, 
Yeah, and the Daily News. Oh, wait, no, it's, I'm pretty sure it's New York Daily News. Senior Justice Writer, I believe it was the title. Affiliated with Black Lives Matter, all these things. And he described himself and people that agree with him. He used this word that's come up recently is, is woke. Mm-hmm. He said woke people. And I, my immediate thought was, okay, that's, that's a little divisive. You're, you're coordinating off yourself in a little self-congratulatory in exactly the way that I think has been a little harmful for the progressive movement. Um, to, to describe people that disagree with you is the analogy of them being, or the metaphor of them being asleep, it's not hard for me to see why people react harshly to that. And from there, we're starting in a very sour place in our dialogue. So what I've thought a lot about is just how I can change the way I talk to people about these things, how I express myself, and take it slow mm-hmm. and, and really indulge in the nuance of these things. And if you find yourself saying a lot over the course of a conversation, I don't know. If you find yourself saying that a lot, I think you're probably doing it the right way. Right. I, I think all of us... Uh, I can get with that, for sure. Yeah. I think all of us uh, should eat a big old pie and think carefully about the way we do that's, that's Right. That's my piece. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much it's, for... Uh, Sharing those thoughts is definitely a great way to on the spectrum of how articulate I can be. I don't know where that falls. Probably somewhere, somewhere toward the lower end. But I feel better having said it. And we may touch back on this uh, a little more, but we we don't want to dominate the discussion. So I would say, Warren, if you want to. Respond to some things that I've said, or just kind of uh, yeah, speak, no. speak your own truth. Well, on I, it. I think you're you 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 actually basic. I think you introduce a, a topic, a, a more a narrower topic of conversation about politics and political discourse that I was actually I think starting to stumble on myself. So it's like perfect. Is that I would just add that there are three important D's to our current politics and conversation, right? Uh, there there are our differences, right? Which we all have them. Even 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 inside these voting these supposed voting blocks and these demographics, you know, thirty almost somewhere between twenty and thirty percent of Latino uh, uh, voters on Tuesday voted for Donald Trump. Very, very, very few people, I don't think anybody expected that, right? Clearly, though, there was something different for that 20%, 20 to 30%. Maybe we'll figure out what it was. Can maybe I interject won't. quickly on that point? Sure. I saw and heard a lot of people saying that no one expected it, but also in the same breath offering explanations pretty clear explanations for why that was the case. For why it happened the way it did? Yes. Okay. Uh, which I, I find interesting and a bit suspect. 
Right. The people, the people, you know, 12 minutes ago that were completely surprised and dumbfounded, you know, uh, jaws on the floor, then turn around 12 minutes later and start trying to act like they know exactly what happened. Yeah. Shut up. The count, the votes aren't even finalized yet. Like, yeah. the counts aren't real yet for, like, another week until mm-hmm. we really know for sure. I mean, they've only just started counting how many votes Bernie got as writing. I'm yeah. already hearing some talk about how it might have made a difference in, in, a, in one or two states. Yeah. But they were states that did not go the way that they were expected to. Like, right. burn your bus, people. You're you did it. Uh, it sounds like You're you made it happen. Your Pennsylvania is funny because the list is really long. Well, I, like, I don't know about Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is such a large state. Right. I don't think, I, I haven't heard anybody claiming that Bernie write-ins or third parties made the difference in Pennsylvania. It, um, I have a feeling that what's going to come out of Pennsylvania was that it was the more liberal voters in the more conservative precincts, you know, the people who were going to be the minority in their communities, but were part of a majority in their state. So they thought what maybe they thought what's the point? Or I don't like Hillary that much, but I don't like Trump either. I'm gonna not vote. That's what I think, or or something like that, or or vote third party. Um, those um, um, those liberal outposts in conservative America, if you will, um, those households that um, might have voted or voted the other way or voted for uh, against Trump. Didn't. Um, because yeah. of partly because of where they lived and the fact that they didn't feel connected to to the uh, to the groups to the issues that were driving support for Clinton. But that's just that's just that's total conjecture, right? right. What I have heard um, was that there might have been as many as thirty three thousand write ins for Bernie in um, uh, <clears throat> Wisconsin, which would more than make up the difference um, as far as what the exact um, difference is in votes in Wisconsin between the two major counties. But anyway, back to the main point. So there are differences, right, which we all have. Some are bigger than others, but there's you know, differences. Most of them are like, what is, which we've always, it's nothing new. Yeah, what's your favorite food? What kind yeah. of music do you like? Do you like this sports team or that sports team? Yeah. These are not things that anybody should be judged over, right? And some of them do have to do with, you know, much deeper issues that we've been talking about in this campaign, like how we view relations between men and women in society generally, right? right. Had a lot to do, that probably has a lot to do with why some people like, you're being a misogynist, and other people say, I'm just being an American. You know, <laughs> there's, like, fundamental disagreement about yeah. who, like, what people are doing and what labels should be applied, right? There's this fundamental disagreement about, you know, even these most fundamental general descriptions sometimes. But then there's distinctions, right? And this is where those demographics are, really are, right, is that, you know, Culture, the culture of black communities, unfortunately in America, has become incredibly, has become really distinct from um, uh, from that of uh, white communities and, and others. Um, and that's not to, that's not to say that what makes there's nothing about black communities and their culture 
um, in my mind, that is, you know, greater or less than any other community. It's just that you know the difference. You can, you just, it just smacks you in the face when yeah. you, when you, when you see it, right? If you've never been to Harlem, or you've never even, I, I, I went to New Harlem. Harlem. Uh, I'm I'm I drove through it. I'm not <laughs> claiming anything special here. I just picked, I just picked, a, you know, historically black, black community. Did you yeah. run the stoplight? No. No. I did. I did watch uh, Luke Cage. That was a great show, and it featured. I think it features Harlem really well. The zero woke motherfucker. I try to be. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. But I'm. But anyway, my point is, is there. I think it's. I think it's perfectly okay to describe these communities, in the again, in like the South, right? When when they when white people in the South, like they they want. They they're they're serious about their heritage. Whatever you think of their heritage, they like you know they're they find something valuable it's in important. it. It's important to them, and that makes them distinct from you know other white people in other communities who to whom you know the history of people who never actually directly impacted your life doesn't feel very important. You know, but these are distinctions that. Mm, make them clearly different communities, but they don't have to be valued, like, we don't need to make value judgments based on them, right? And then the last D is division, right? And that's where we're getting at. That's where we're at already, is that the different distinct communities in America have become so disconnected that we really are divided. Um, in, in ways we haven't ever been before. We don't even, a lot of us don't even watch the same movies. We don't watch the same news. We can't even agree on the same facts anymore, right? And, uh, you know, a lot of this has to do with very specific misinformation that's out there. But there is some of it on all sides. And there are people on all sides actively invested in making it worse. It's interesting. Sorry about that. Yeah, we uh, we are recording this at our home studio, and we do have fun. Top of the top of the list for next week. So to recap, ringers off. To, to recap, my point is, I think that um, so we have differences, distinctions, yeah, and divisions, and divisions, and the only one of those three that is just categorically bad is the division. There are, we can recognize our distinction and even create rules of behavior and law that, that might reflect some of those distinctions, right? Different levels of gun control in different states might be a good example of honest distinctions that are needed and necessary to make. You know, um, but they, we shouldn't let them become hard divisions. And so I think that's a big part of what yours and Sean King's point is, is like we or no, your point to Sean King's description is that we have to be very careful when describing, because, you know, you, you have to pick a word and the description isn't going to apply to everyone. So is that automatically creating a division? that automatically devices 
I'm not sure that's fair because how can you analyze anything if you don't if you don't pull it apart sometimes? Well, I think the thing is, abstraction is useful, but I think there are questions. So to describe a group of people as woke to me is clearly a large abstract, and it's the way to simplify things. But it's also generalization, right? And and the point that I'm making is there is probably a more nuanced way to describe people he wanted to describe and the views he wanted to describe. And I, I think cognitively, we tend to err on the side of, if we can explain something in one word instead of 20, we'll use that one word. But in this particular case, you would have taken the time to use 20 words you probably would have cut fewer people out. And I think that's important. Um, especially, I, I think, when, when you set up these dichotomies, not everything is a dichotomy, but woke and unwoke feels a lot like this 50-50 problem, which is a lot of what I think is going from an academic standpoint there are, there are these political science theories about the 50-50 problem. And what it basically means, I hope I'm not bastardizing it too much, is that given a large number of people and given several choices, almost regardless of what those choices are, the larger the group gets, uh, and even given more choices, people will tend towards a 50-50 split uh, on these things. And that's certainly exacerbated by the two-party system, which is uh, an entire podcast in its own right on this topic. But um, to relate it to something else that people may have heard of, you know, there's, there's a slow food movement. I'm kind of looking for like a slow talking. Don't take the mm-hmm. shortcuts. Don't generalize any more than you have to. Even if it means not fully getting to the point you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's going to some some conversations are never finished, and this is one of them. I think we often talk. I have this experience with you sometimes where. I'm approaching the conversation as though I'm going to flip you 180 degrees by the end of the conversation, as mm-hmm. though that's my goal. Right. I don't think that's the right way to approach these conversations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and, and I think for me, that's, that's as much as I want to say right now on that topic. And I, I think we're maybe coming close to the end of our time here? Uh, no, I mean, we we actually still have about 45 minutes, I think, on our, on our right. general cool. two-hour goal. Cool. That's, that's awesome, and I, I think there's plenty to digest in what we've, we've said about, about politics and about the outcome of the presidential election, and I would like to 
maybe spend these last 45 minutes uh, talking about other things. Okay. That's <laughs> fine. All right, because, I mean, politics is definitely going to be one of our bedrock topics that we're going to return to. Because I think there will be a few episodes where we don't touch on something that is political. I think, yeah, I think a lot of times it's going to be we're, we're going to want to tell a story or, or highlight a specific episode, if you will, an event or something like that, and then go into its political, uh, you know, as well as other uh, layers, layers yeah. and implications, right? Where do we go from here? What does this mean? Sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... But it might not always be like oh, there was an election, right? It might be, you know, um, there was an accident. Yeah. Uh, what does that say about? Uh, there was actually a really interesting piece on uh, CBS Evening News. I want to say on Friday night about um, elderly truck drivers um, have state police authorities think have helped have been a large contributor to a 19% rise in um, highway accidents involving uh, track trailers, you know, semi-trucks. And those uh, are particularly dangerous accidents. Um, yeah. You know, when you're talking about, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't 20 see, tons going 80 miles an yeah. hour. Yeah, you don't see a lot of tractor-trailer fender benders. Right, no. They're more like tractor-trailer all across the football field, <laughs> you know. Um, never mind the smaller cars. They yeah. kind of disintegrated. Yeah, and also, but, why were they driving in a football field? <laughs> it was next to the highway. Okay. Uh, I, got, I, was, I was legitimately confused. Okay, sorry. But anyway, um, so that might be one example of a story that doesn't appear political at first, but we might look at political angles. Yeah, and it's going to anyway. come from, like, that, you know, that's something that we may pull from the news, and we will pull things from the news, and... That, you know, the share of things we pull from the news versus things we pull from our personal lives is something that I think we're going to work out over time. Um, but in, in every case, we want you to keep in mind, I said this near the top of the show, that th this is not a, a journalistic endeavor. But we do want you, you as listeners, to hold us to some standard. Right. Well, I think so we're, still... we're probably going to get it wrong sometimes, particularly in the omission field, is where I think we might we may just have blind spots sometimes. Oh yeah. And, and well, I think if you don't, if you aren't, if you aren't, if you don't at least recognize the fact that you have that you're going to have blind spots, that is your blind spot. Right. <laughs> you know, you're kind right. of yeah. completely unaware of yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so we're um, I don't know. We had some ideas for topics, other topics outside of the election, but um, those were kind of uh, to, related to um, our guests. We were hoping to have on today, who um, have not been able to join us yet. Um, hopefully, we'll figure out what happened and be able to remedy whatever issues there were. Um, but one thing, you know, there were. We were considering possibly talking a little bit about sports, but that's something that neither of us are really very qualified to talk about. I mean, yeah. to, to a point. 
the story of our lives, lives we'd be interested forward. to hear what other people thought about reading. I mean, I think maybe something we could talk about that may end up being pretty uh, uninteresting, but we I think we're two people that were, um, have, have fallen out of our graces. We were one time, we were both at one time I think you could say broadly sports fans. Right. Uh, and we've sort of both majorly backed off of any amount of fandom that we have. And it's for different reasons. Um, and I, I don't totally understand it either because there was a time particularly with WVU sports where... I would get pretty animated. I'd get pretty riled up watching games, uh, you know, watching it totally blow it against Pitt. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think everyone around here still remembers that game. Yeah. If, if we were alive in, what was that, 2007? Yeah. Oh, 2007, right? I think so. Right. Uh and that, you know, we were one game away from the national championship. Like, we really, like, if we beat the stuffing out of Pitt, yeah. we would have at least been, you know, could, could claim we were number two. In the yeah, and I, I at the time, right. I had invested a fair amount of emotional energy in that. Right. I think some amount of just, I don't want to be disappointed anymore. Um... <laughs> Some amount of that of that thinking is why I, I backed off. And the Mountaineers in particular, that was my strongest fandom right. for WV sports. Because I felt the most connected to it. We grew up 30 minutes from, from the university. We both ended up going to the university right. in Morgantown. And I think part of it, and I, I, I've never spoken with anyone that described a similar experience to me, but I, I suspect other people have gone through this. My my disillusionment with WVU on a lot of sort of political and administrative levels made me less interested in being a fan of the team. Right. Actually, for me, it, it, was, it was similar in that it it has something to do with my how I perceive my relationship with the administration, you know, the leaders of the university and the and the student body at, at large. Um, it has a has a lot to do with the sports culture. I mean, a lot of there are a lot of people who go to WVU just for that. They have no idea what their major is. They're not even sure whether they want to get a degree. Sports and party culture. Right, well, the two, yeah, the two definitely feed off of each other. I want to be something, part of something bigger than myself. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, go feed the homeless. Right. <laughs> Try that on. But I, um, I think a lot of people, but that, that's, I really want something of, bigger than myself. Find community in their in their fandom. Right, and I, I see that, and I have no problem. Yeah, with that. I, I would say that. I have no problem with that. The problem is, you see, just at the same time, two thousand seven. Or, or so, uh, the WU football kind of came apart at the seams for a, for a minute. 
um, was also at the same time I was, uh, you know, going through final preparations of uh, college applications and scholarships and all that nonsense um, they have to do to get an education around here. And I realized that one of, one of the big things was I, I originally wanted to go to Columbia University in, in New York City. I even have yeah, our godmother is uh, is um, a woman of, of significant resources. I can say yeah, that. Right. She's 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 a, she is uh, a, um, a very high level expert in information technology and stuff like that. She's done international work mm-hmm. uh, in this in that field for some of the largest corporations on earth uh, and stuff like that. So when I so when I say the important you know the important part is when I expressed my interest in attending Columbia uh, in New York City, right? And she offered me offered to buy me an apartment uh, in New York if I got accepted to Columbia. Like that wasn't a joke. That wasn't that wasn't a pipe dream. That could have been real if I went, wait, but I wait, didn't. I didn't. Shout out to her. She's a wonderful person. Yes, yes. And Kay, if you uh, if you get a chance to hear this, we we love you both. We love you much and miss you and hope you do listen. But anyway, uh, point is, is but by the time I'd gotten to the point of application, I didn't even apply to Columbia. Why? Because my own high school uh, uh, science mentor, if you, you know, because she was my she was my teacher at the time, but she had really been teaching me and mentoring me for a long time before she was ever actually teaching me in class. Shout out, Kathy Jake was yeah, um, great teacher. She she made a very compelling case that West Virginia University was a better school for engineering than Columbia. Like you don't expect to hear Columbia being uh, bad at anything, right? They have that kind of reputation. They certainly have that kind of price tag. Yeah, let alone second fiddle to right. public land. Grant. Guess what? You can get you can get a better degree and spend one fifth the money, um, and and be close be be closer to home. And so I did. And you know, I gotta say, WV's engineering program stacked up. It it was it was for the most part as good as advertised, but that's what was amazing. I lived 30 minutes away, and I didn't, know, I didn't know this. I had no idea. Why? Because the only thing ever advertised about WVU, the only thing anybody talks Sports about. Football. Football. <laughs> right. Um, and that, that was my first red flag, that there might even be something really unhealthy, detrimental about WVU's sports culture. Is that it actually? I mean, it's hurting. I think I see it as actually hurting the institution because it it helps build up. It, it helps build up this. Um, it gives people this other reason to try to go to college that has nothing to do with their education. And um, WVU does not have a very good graduation rate compared to. Um, some other institutions, it is not considered by the general public as an elite academic institution. And as the flagship land-grant university for one of the lesser educated um, states in the country, that really should be WVU's goal 
and nothing else. They should want to be at least one of the top 50 schools in every category they, can, they are competing in on academics, and only after that be concerned about where they are in football rankings and conferences and stuff like that. Increasingly, this supposedly nonprofit institution known as West Virginia University more and more looks like um, just another giant corporation. The, yeah, their primary business is education. So they say. Just like General Electric claims their major business was building things. But until 2008, 2009, no, their major business was finance, right? So WVU, what are you really? Are you a university or, um, or are, you, um, are you an adult daycare with particularly enthusiastic programming? What are you really? Uh, and or gee, hit us up. Right. Maybe I, we'll call in next week. That would be amazing if we could get Gordon Gee. So the so the two main the two main famous people we've talked about, right? These are our, these are our pipe dream guests, right? People we would love to have on, but are probably never gonna get. Yeah. Sean King and Gordon Gee. You know what's gonna be the deal breaker with Gordon Gee? What I hear for any media appearance, he has a rider that involves. Selfies with attractive young women. Um, Are you serious? Or are you kidding? I'm kidding. Poking <laughs> fun at the university president's propensity to show up all over Facebook. Uh, oh yeah. The man takes a lot of selfies. That's well known. He is. I and I've never seen a more attractive girl like to take selfies. It's adorable to wear those. Right. Well. If I've offended anybody with that, I, yeah. Well, I, uh, a, a simple, basic description of how most mostly most women and most men end up approaching each other is men have, you know, if a man, if a woman can't be comfortable around a guy, then she's not going to be around him. The huge benefit in being an older, uh, an old guy is that much harder to make women feel uncomfortable when you're that old. Right. Which is the thing I'm working on most in my romantic pursuit. It's just getting those, self, age, getting those my, years in my self-improvement is I'm just trying to be older. <laughs> <laughs> and i found that it's not entirely up to me. Who knew? I thought I could decide to be older. And Man, I'm only a day older than you. <laughs> but but it's, you know what? It's a process. It takes time. Oh, <laughs> and breath. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. then on the highest note we can, that's probably it. Jesus. <laughs> hey, what a, what a. <laughs> Jesus or Jesus? Jesus. Okay. Uh, Jesus, tap dancing Christ. Uh, <laughs> shout out to South Park. That's pretty much a strange as well. Yeah, we at least try to cite our sources uh, after we feel for them. Yeah, how, how much time we got here, brother? Uh, Yeah, I mean. Uh, our original our original plan was to start right on the dot of 11. That was our goal. We did miss that for reasons mostly just beyond our control. Um, and we, we apologize, but, you know, sometimes family gets sick, errands must be run, con, you know, schedules get screwed up, things happen. I had to get a phone this morning. Right. After off my morning. 
so we were so we were going to go till uh, from eleven to one for thereabouts. I think we ended up actually getting on air and recording, or <laughs> more like fifteen after, okay. I'd say. Uh, so I mean, but we'll, I think calling it at one is is still fine. Um, unless uh, all of a sudden we get some guests, there you go, some listeners, yeah. and they uh, ask us to keep going. Right. Because I'll be honest, I'm. I will be. Uh, I'm trying to think of a less misogynistic term for just going just after. Stop the, right there. Just man. going. Just going after that audience appreciation is what I'm saying. I I will. I will do what I have to do to to get listeners and keep them happy up to a point. There is a line, but you know, letting the show run over time a Wait, little bit is not. Are, are you referencing like a cardboard sign, Will? for listeners, is that where you? <laughs> I know you were trying to Not dance quite. around it. I, an attention. Do I need to do it? Yeah. But I. Play the mad libs in your head. You know, you know what I, goes in the blank. I'll say that. I don't. Know. Do you think? Right. I don't want. I'm not gonna be. A, I don't want. I'm. Maybe, maybe let's talk about misogyny for a few minutes. So there's a couple things. Oh my goodness! Something that we talked about. And yeah. yeah, and maybe if we could divorce it a little bit from the current events, right? I, I have, so people I don't feel put of, on or like right. labeled. That might I, have, be, I have sort yeah. of a, a personal experience. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to relate. You started telling about that, but the, before I uh, get into that story. What I just said, and this is a great opportunity for some feedback from listeners. What I said in, in the context in which I said it, I don't know that that's misogynist one way or the other. Well, I'll tell you, I we aren't going to be able to tell you until you tell us that. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm talking okay. about specifically this will subject for listeners. Oh. Um, I don't, uh, and I've, I've wondered about this before, but to me, all that is, and all the humor in that is, is that culturally, uh, regardless of gender identity, sexual orientation, we're kind of culturally on the same page that performing oral sex can be demeaning in some ways. Right. There's lots of, I mean, yet I think the vast majority of of us that are sexually active still do it. Right. Um, and if you're not doing it, hey, your partner out <laughs> Right. Right. Try it. You, might, might, you might find it's worth it. Let me throw a low key recommendation. And that, that's where men, women, Gay, straight, right. all the above. But but maybe maybe those kinds of uh, dick sucking jokes. Hey, if if somebody wants to throw throw it out to me that we shouldn't be making those jokes anymore, give me an argument. And all of it. That's right. all I'm gonna say. So I have, I have a personal tale um, to a yarn to spin. That people say that. Yeah, spin a yarn. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Go ahead and spin a yarn. We still have we still have so, at least I'd say twenty minutes left. So yeah, go for it. Man. So I recently found myself in a situation 
at work, at my place of work, that involved a coworker, uh, a female coworker, and it ended in me basically admitting uh, to making a joke that was misogynistic um, and sorry I'm taking a quick time out to read something no for the, for those at home I'm just pointing out to my brother right. people that, put things in my face right that are words I'm gonna read them and it's hard for me to talk and read at the same time right right no uh shout out shout out to listeners with the same affliction I believe it's in the DSM uh just kidding I don't know if that's actually a thing. called being literate <laughs> we all have a tendency to read words put in front of us but the point wasn't the words for those at home, we were we're wondering we want we want to make sure we're not being totally flippant with the time or keeping track. We said two hours. We'd like to do two hours, not go over, not cut you off, not cut anything off. Um, and turns out that when I do some things on my phone from which we are recording this, uh, there is a time. You know, we do have a, a time of how long, about approximately how long we've been on. That's all I was pointing out was okay. We don't have to worry quite so much about how long, when, when we're stopping. We know how long we've been on. That was also a technical thing. So you were you were just putting your phone in my face for me to read the time. Yeah, just oh. so you saw that we have oh, that. Sorry, I mean, there were all kinds of words on there. Right, right. Uh, that's back fine. To, back to the story. Yeah, please. So since we don't have an, a live it, audience, I'm going to be the guy in the peanut gallery. So, as an adult, this is the first time I've, like, really been called out on misogyny in a meaningful way. Certainly not the first time it's happened, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's a, it's almost kind of an AA approach of, like, hi, my name's Lucas, and I'm a misogynist. <laughs> um, and I think we all would have, maybe have something to gain from saying something like that. So, so I work in a restaurant, as I mentioned recently. Uh, to those who have worked in the industry and casual observers, may or may not be known that a lot of times the kitchen or the back of the house versus the service staff, the front of the house servers, um, there's all... <laughs> often a very gendered divide. Uh, there's, uh-huh. there's sharp things and fire in the kitchen, and I, I think that draws in a lot of machismo type people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people would agree with me that that, that is something that, that definitely happens. And it, it's very much the case in my restaurant where I work, um, so it's almost always five or six men working in the kitchen, and then uh, there are there are some male servers, but they're a minority. Um, and 
that that contextually, I think, very important, mm-hmm. um, and it informs nearly all of the interactions we have between the kitchens and the servers. In a lot of like weird, there's a lot of angles to it, um, and I'm not going to try and hit on all of them. But it, it it's a context that I will say is ripe for massage. Yeah. Okay. So what happened? Let's get into the details. So me, another cook. And one of the male servers were talking. Okay. So we've got three dudes. Mm-hmm. Three dudes talking. Were you guys on like working as you were talking or were you guys on a break? Or? Sort of, but it was like it was slow. It was I remember it was kind of a slow day and we were we were taking a couple minutes to kind of shoot the shit. Okay. And one of one of the other servers, female server, he had a task before. And she tried to interject politely, ask the question. We collectively sort of talked over her. Not in even not in a deliberate way, but the way these things happen. Right. Before you realize someone's trying to talk at you, you're just talking over them to continue to be heard. Kind of thing. Yeah. And we we were shooting the shit and kind of having. And that, I think, makes it a little more likely for this to happen. And I pretty quickly realized what had happened. And saw a look on her face that told me that 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 hurt a little bit. Even though it's probably been happening to her her entire life. As is the case, I think with most women. Okay. Doesn't doesn't mean I don't think that means it hurts less. Okay. That does happen. Um, and being the empath that I am, I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to try to make a complicated joke. <laughs> <laughs> so. There are layers of sarcasm and right, right. So there, so what I constructed in my mind in a period of about three seconds is, and I'm going to try to talk about how problematic it is. But this is, this where is for I, educational this purposes. Where, yeah, this is where I was at at the time. Okay, you're originally trying to be funny, I'm but that's not where I'm saying it now. I am going to point out to her. Mm-hmm. That you just got interrupted by three men talking. Pretty rude. You can't let that happen. Okay. Because it is you gotta you gotta lean in. I was gonna make some joke about leaning in. For someone for some reason I I like to make jokes that have pretty things. Okay. In that it's it's and I know her to be um Progressive politically and a feminist and all these things. And I was I was gonna tell her like this is a chance to fight the patriarchy. Get interrupted by three dudes, you gotta shout over us. You gotta you gotta fight it 
you know. And um, but do it in the but there there's you know it's me telling a woman how to properly advance feminism by basically being more like a man. It's so <laughs> ironic and problematic. I can't even. But I and the funny thing is why it's funny now is that I didn't even get that at the time. But like right. I said, I like constructed this whole thing very quickly in my mind. And the real rub here is that all I got out, all I was able to say mm-hmm. was, hey, there are three men talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now I understand why this caused such a problem. Because as soon as I got that clause out, I'm not going to say sentence because there's right there was more to come. There was, I'm not was, trying to paint myself a comma, as a victim. I'm not trying to paint myself as a victim. Here. Right. That just that clause was so offensive <laughs> that I that there wasn't any hope of me saying any uh, anything else other than sorry. Right. Which at this point. Which even then, immediately, like following yeah. that phrase too closely, still doesn't work. Well, you know, like you hit a fight. There are three men talking. Sorry. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <That's... laughs> and what I, no one, even people that weren't directly hurt by that attempt at humor, no one had any idea where that I was going somewhere with it, other than just being incredibly sexist, which I have now come to the conclusion that, yeah, there's more context and and more to it um, from my end, but all in all, you can still just say I was being sexist. In one way yeah. or another, that's what happened. And I, I've been going through this whole process of trying to apologize for it, but it, it's been a very interesting process because it's, I think it's one of the hardest earned. I, I think at this point I can say I've been forgiven. Uh, the offended party's listening. Hey. Tell me otherwise. Uh, but forgiveness for me in my life, I haven't felt in too many cases that it was hard earned. And it was hard earned in this case. And initially I was very defensive. And I was apologizing and I was just saying, sorry, 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 in a purely selfish way. Right. I I don't like having people be mad at me. Right. It makes me uncomfortable. I think that's understandable. Yeah, but sometimes it's silly, and sometimes you need to let people be mad at you. Right. Sometimes it's deserved. So after I, you know, shotgun insincere apologies, I just kind of let it be for a while. Okay. Um, Because I, I realized that those shotgun apologies, A, were coming from a somewhat selfish place. I also 
found it difficult to, I still found the whole situation a bit humorous. Um, partially because of the way she reacted. She came into the kitchen. I was working in the salad station at the time. And she just, she's throwing things up. Grabbing things out of the salad station. Getting hit with tomatoes. Getting hit with lettuce. Getting hit with, you Are know. Serious? Yeah. Was actually throwing a food? Yeah. Over this. You say that like it's totally normal. Like, well, what else is he going to do? Well, those are the weapons I, that are yeah, least harmful that were available. Right. I mean, she's already more on her game than most police there, officers. There are knives she could have grabbed. Right. There are actual weapons. Right. Um, so, you know, I was not injured by right. the loose plate weapon. Right. I did, low-key, I did kind of think, I still think, Okay, that's cool. But I like to clean it up. I ended up having to clean it up, which is like, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if justice was done in that respect. But uh, you, you don't have to throw things. Um, there are more mature ways of getting your displeasure across. But the whole time, in the moment that I was trying to say sorry, I couldn't do it without smirking or laughing, which now just like really feels terrible. All right. Well, can I can I jump in here just for one minute for an observation? Sure. Uh, just uh, I'm trying to be objective here. I'm trying not to look at how individuals felt and what you know what they saw and how that affected their experience because I just don't know enough, right? I I barely know you well enough to understand where you were probably at mentally. Yeah. I don't even know this person you're talking about. You haven't shared her name. You don't need to. I'm not going. Right. Uh, is the thing is like there are aspects of this story which, you know, would fit in a sitcom script, right? Uh, you know... Uh, far I, too often it's the way I think of my life. Right. That'd be part of the problem. Probably was. Probably part of the reason why you even thought there was go, there would be a joke in that yeah. situation <laughs> at all. Uh, it's possible. But my point is, is like, there is something... That, I mean, there's, there's irony, and there, you know, there are levels of things that... I hope both of you someday will be able to laugh at this episode. Throwing salad at somebody for a I bad think, joke I think nearly is, is is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, obviously, no one wants to laugh at somebody whose feelings have been hurt, but that's just it. Is once people, it'll make a, it might make a good stand-up bit for you someday. Um, so that, that's my that's yeah that's all I want to say is I think I can under I think part of me can see one possible reason why it was hard to get out of the humor. Right. It, is that there was something humorous, it's just inappropriate for you to be enjoying it. You know? Right. And <laughs> Let I, everyone else enjoy this. I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm patting myself on the back here, but I think there is kind of a moral to this story and, and something that's been instructed for me. And it's... It's... Uh, it gave me some evidence, something to go off of in examining the role misogyny plays in my life, or that makes it sound like I'm a victim of it. Um, well, I mean, I think to... to but it plays a role in my life mm-hmm. in that I'm programmed, as all men are, uh, 
in a way that um, makes us prone to treating women as lesser, to um, asserting ourselves in inappropriate, damaging ways, mm-hmm. and and being very aloof or very defensive in, in the face of, of criticism. Mm-hmm. There was a time where I would have really defended my right to be able to like make a joke, right? And that's not where I'm at with it now. Hmm. Okay. Um, I really hope that what's come out of this is the next time an idea for a joke comes to me in a similar context, it'll. I'll beat it back. Or, I won't feel or, to go that or you'll make sure it's a better joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like there you, Louis C.K. is great evidence of, uh, I, I think, of how a lot of what's permissible in humor and comedy. Well, for one thing, it is somewhat dependent. If you're a professional comedian, I think you immediately get Right, because people know that that's, that a joke is what you're right. doing. And you're, and you're on stage. You're right, right, especially doing, that context. You're doing a show, which was not the context I was in. Right. Um, and the more potentially offensive the joke is, the more important it is that it's funny. Right. And that matters. And, that, and even that it might be structured. I, I think some people have trouble wrapping their mind around it because it's not a black and white way to look at humor and um, and and so to you know kind of backpedal from that small tangent um, I would just say that that that's something in my life that behaviorally I, I, I think there's room mm-hmm. for growth uh, I'd love to hear from listeners, you know, who've maybe had similar experiences. I'd love to hear from any any women that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to hear how they feel about it and how right. how um, amends can be made in in such. Cause, I mean, I can't say for sure that I've done it right yet, or that things are totally uh, cool with this person. I, I think that they are. I feel that they are. But I also feel like it would be... You're open to the possibility you're, that assessment's wrong. Right, and I'm open to the to the possibility that different women have different... would have different perspectives on this situation and how... how... Uh, how best for the offending party to make events. Right. Um, well, it, it, it's cool to me that I'm able to talk about it as openly as I am. There, there's a time when I, I be uncomfortable. Have, yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have admitted. Why well, was one of the coolest things about doing this? Because I fancy to, myself as as a feminist. Right. Um, as do I. 
So it it can be a pretty elite big leap for um, you know. Similarly, I, I I don't I I couldn't easily admit to being like a racist in a particular context. Um, but I'm sure I have been. Right. In some small way. Some oh, I know. I remember I remember conversations you and I had when we were much younger uh, about the world. Precocious about world and white kids called racist shit, and they don't know it. <laughs> well, I, wouldn't, I think it's, looking back on it, it's like, oh, there's a lot to learn in episodes like that about what racism is and, and how it works. And that's actually all, you know, because we only have about 10 minutes left, I think. And I do want to respond a little bit to this episode because, um, you know, I've seen and experienced similar things. I don't think I've ever quite been it that hard, um, right? But uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't put. I, I didn't stick my own foot in my mouth. I, first of all, I found Bigfoot. Right. <laughs> Already <laughs> impressive. And I put that big hairy foot in my mouth. Right. Right. <laughs> you set a world record. Like it was. And that's all. I'm gonna pat myself on the back for just like no bigger something. Like I went large. <laughs> oh, no. It's the worst life. I, yeah. Well, yeah. considering the circumstances. But anyway, is that you know, um, and this is played out in the election in our society, a lot of places. And what I'm about to say is not original to me. A lot of other people have very very intelligent people who have put a lot of passion and thought into these issues of both sexism and racism. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just riffing off of them, but the sources are kind of too, too, uh, too varied and similar at the same time to just pick one. But anyway, is it, that's just, it, and, that, and it goes back to why we would call, describe people as woke or not, right? Um, is that we have this tendency to think that we are, that we're deciding, we are choosing to do everything that we do, right? So, you know, we are, we are individuals with free will, rah, 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 all that, right? Freedom, free choice, you know, we have choices, we make choices, we have to be responsible, right? You know, this is feeling kind of profound. Right. That is not how human beings work. We, we have, we have instincts, we have emotions, right? We have a subconscious mind. Most of what allows us to function happens below our awareness, our level of awareness. And that's really what I think it is, is that the idea of being asleep or awake is a metaphor for whether or not you are actually, whether you are even bothering to try to be aware of yeah. these less the, these non-conscious um, things that are going on in our head. And these things are generally put there before we can talk. That you know, level, at very young ages. That the, level of context, uh, I think, certainly lessens the negative connotation mm-hmm. that I see in, in that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, you know, you can be... But, but part of what I'm talking sexist. about with slow talking is maybe if you're going to use that word every so often, lend it that context. Well, yeah. Uh, 
Right, right. And it's, you're gonna, you know, so it's, you these it's really important. We, we we have this unfortunate tendency to label people as sexist or racist, as if that is a a chosen, stated value of theirs, right? And in some cases, it is right. And those are the scary ones. Those are the people. There are there is no rehabilitation. There is only, uh, you know, like mutually assured destruction. You know, that, that's, there's deterrence. That's the only thing you can do is you can deter them from your space. That's, that's, your, that's about the only option, right? They can have their space, but for sure they're not coming in here if you can help them, yeah. right, kind of thing. Yeah, Southern Alabama, we don't want it. <laughs> uh, there is something of a concentration of, in, you know, knowing... Sorry if that, you know, that was maybe... Yeah, I, but I've been through Southern Alabama. Yeah, um, cool thing that we didn't get to talk about, I'd love to talk about it next week, is I recently... I recently... I didn't just go to New Orleans. You went to a tool show. I went to a tool show in New Orleans, Halloween weekend. Yeah, it was amazing. It, was, right. the, it was the most... I mean, I've done some, I've done some cool stuff in my life. I've, I've had some amazing opportunities to do and see things, this is top three for yeah. sure. I went through a really, um, a really, uh, I had a great concert experience all through. So maybe we can kind of bang both of those things for next week. Right. Let us know if you'd like to hear about these experiences next week. We'll make, we'll make extra time for them. But anyway, the, the point is, is that in southern Alabama, there's a reason to feel uncomfortable. Right? I mean, like, just you get out of rest stop, you see other people at the rest stop, 50 50, uh, you know, locals and people from everywhere else. And you can tell. And it's not, every, it's still not everyone even among locals, right? But there, there will be almost any group, right? If there's more than two or three people, they're not just a family, right? You know, groups of friends and acquaintances and stuff traveling. And you're like, the guy with the three piercings in his lip. We're going to avoid him if we can. You know, because he might be... I mean, he might not. <laughs> You'd rather not even risk it. But the point is, is rather than thinking of people as being racist or sexist, we need to focus on individual instances, behaviors, right? right? And, and be very clear that the... the we, that if we ex, if anyone expects these things to change, it's because we assume that they can be, yeah. and, and that it's that it, it's not in your it's not in your DNA, right? And it's not a, it's usually not even a choice. It's probably in, in from a from an ethical standpoint something of an accident, right? The thing is, is that when you're talking about risks and responsibilities. Right, this is where my legal training is super helpful. Here is that you still you can you know it's it's still coming from you, right? And so as an adult, adult, I mean it's one thing children tend to be unaware of themselves, right? Uh, you know I've seen small children run in public naked, but naked, right? Ch- kids don't care, uh, right? They're not thinking time. about themselves. They're not thinking of themselves, right? And that's that's part of the reason why we love children, right? Is that they're so free in that way. Um, 
But as adults, that means we need to own our behaviors, even the ones that we're not fully in control of. Because once we become aware of them, we can control them. There is always a moment between, or a, a, a flash, an instance, right, between when you have a reaction in your mind, right? You see, you see uh, protesters smashing a police car in Chicago or something, right? I'm just making that up, right, as an example. And you just see that. And then you see that the, most of the people doing the smashing don't look like you. And your lizard brain, right, for even before your lizard brain gets to the level of, and I've been told black people can be problem, a problem or something, which is a, a message society tends to send us all, all of us, all the time, right, but on a very subtle level. Right, but even before that, you just it's just a threat response. You you see you see violent destruction of a symbol of power for certain, mm -hmm. but depending on who you are, that might also be a symbol of uh, of security, um, a symbol of community, a symbol of other things that aren't all bad. Well, what, right? what we're talking about is is, is and so you part just, of, of whiteness. And, and the police being a symbol for anything but uh, oppression. Right. Well, it, yeah. The, the real difference that, is, I think we can. That think, is that is that is whiteness. Right. That's but brought it, but brought us pot. You know, like you said earlier in the show, and I thought it was a tremendous point. I want to make sure I give you kudos for that. Is you know, um, I'll oh, shoot now. I'm like. Uh, but uh, was that um? Oh, speaking to the, the, it's important to speak to the widest possible audience, right? right. And so it's saying before you even get to the individual identity aspect of who am I in relation to this, there I think we can all agree, you know, black, white, and every uh, and every other that police in America are symbolic of power, right? It's how we relate to that power. That's where we start to run into differences, right? But if... And increasingly division... If you're being, if you're being fair, open, and honest, there are real objective reasons for those differences of opinion. And the problem is that I don't think either side is... Uh, is really going as far as they could. I think one side is going farther than the other. So I'm not even going to say which side that is. Um, I think people know me know which side I think I side with. Um, but neither side is is um, is getting past the finish line on really understanding the psychology of the other side. Um, and, and relating to those differences and then finding ways to compare and contrast those differences, again, avoiding a what's often referred to as a moral binary. It's either black, you know, it's good or bad, right? You're right, I'm wrong. Or I'm right, you're wrong, right? Which is just, first of all, psychologists say that you should grow out of a purely black and white moral understanding of the world around, I think, between ages like 7 and 10, 
somebody can check me on that, please. Uh, right? Well, we have adults. We have community leaders. We have national leaders who are still tend to present these things in black and white terms, morally, not not you know, Which not just racially. Which goes back to talking slow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, is that talking slow gives people a chance to capture the nuance. You know, you and I are both on intellectual levels. I like, I like it. That's part of the reason why I, the trip to New Orleans was so amazing, was that it can be really hard for me to feel like overstimulated, you know, to really like feel like awash in stuff. To really lose myself in something, it takes a lot right? because I've gotten really good at absorbing a lot of information and parsing it quickly as it's coming and all of that, right? Um, but it's important I get out of my own head when we're talking about these big things. That's not everybody. That's that is something that makes me unusual. Um, that, that, you know, that puts me, I'm probably, you know, like top five or top 1% of people when it comes to that, uh, you know, um, pers uh, perspective on life, you know, and that side of life. Um, so I can, you know, my biggest reason why I don't watch the news anymore is because I generally know what their point is before they get there, and I can already figure out how they're manipulating the narrative to suit their own purposes, whatever those are. And I'm tired of that, period. I want information. I don't want your opinion, right? I will form my own opinion. Yeah. You know, I'll ask if I want an opinion, you know? Um, so, yeah, these things, we got to slow down. We've got to stop. we got, we got to try to avoid any divisions whatsoever. That's, and that, and to, that's to the extent to which I agree. I do understand when people say, we just need to stop talking about race. I don't think that's quite how we get there, but I think that's what they're going for. Is that like, well, fundamentally, you're starting with a division. Well, it's like, I think it's one thing to say there's a wall between us. Let's tear it down, and just saying there's a wall, you know. Um, so, you know, back to the and and my and one thing is that I really think sexism uh, works very similarly in terms of how it works, how you know, where it is in your thought process and how you stop it, right, is that you are aware of what it looks like. You catch yourself when it happens, when you have that sexist or racist reaction. So if you, if you I'll can, admit, I still have them. I still yeah. have them all the time. You you're know? getting slices of tomatoes thrown in your face. Like, right. Maybe that's what it looks like. And, well, I, I would say, you know, at the same time, like, of course you feel a little defensive when stuff's being thrown at you. You're defending Whatever. yourself Whatever. from flying Whatever. objects, Whatever. right? Well, my point is, is these aren't as unrelated as they might seem. One's words, one's physical objects. No, and you're in, on a really basic level of your brain, no difference. Right. You know, social attack versus mm -hmm. physical attack, no difference. You know, and so the point is to be woke isn't to be perfect. Not even close. Right, it, it, it to be aware of yourself enough and committed enough to be to doing the right thing that you are willing to stop yourself 
when you're following the wrong train of thought, right, when you're being motivated by the wrong kinds of impulses, and then challenging yourself to do anything else, to, to, to even try to do it better, right, you might fail, right? You might still make mistakes. Like, there's been a lot about these safety pins and stuff like that. Huge topic. We don't have time for it. Point is, people are honestly trying to help. And they're honestly not doing it very well, right? No need to jump down anybody's throat. Let's just let's, let's analyze what's right, what's wrong about the situation. Learn from it, improve it, move on, right? And that's that's uh, that's how I'd say we should be approaching all of this. But it's a process. It it might never really be finished. So let's just keep talking, right? Good tagline for life, right? Okay, it is now 20 past 1 on Monday, November 14th, um, and, oh, man, hard to, I'm still like, wait, it's been two hours? What? So, this is what the other side was. Right. But I enjoyed it. So, high five, first show, in the can. All right, so, uh, I'm, my name is Warren Hillsboss. My name is Luke Hillsboss. We are the Hills Bros, and we want to just thank everybody for uh, giving us a chance, giving us a listen. So we hope you like it. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter, and Facebook, SignCloud, and TalkShoe.com. Um, this episode was recorded uh, thanks to TalkShoe. Um, just so you know, we on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yes, we, we, we will have a recording for all of those of you, for anybody who couldn't wanted to join us but couldn't. This morning, we organized schedules to schedules. I want to make sure everybody has a chance to see it or listen to it. And so you can find us uh, on SoundCloud, on Twitter, on Facebook. No Tumblr. <laughs> no Instagram yet. Not Anything yet. like that. Not yet. Um, we'll get some interns. We'll get some, uh, right. some unpaid labor in here. I mean, and aside we'll, from us. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll take care of that. Right. Uh, right now, we are the unpaid interns. Anyway. Yeah. Point is, uh, feel free to look us up. Um, I hope you enjoy it. enjoyed it. Uh, we did. So until next time, I'm Warren. See ya. Peace. Off my I feel pretty good about it. Maybe that was off. Maybe that was off. Speaking of hot mic.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.